You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, it has been, as Josh said, a great study in Romans. Uh, you never tire of reading and rereading and restudying and rereading scripture. Uh, we'll finish chapter 16 tonight. And, and as Josh said, I, he's already going back to podcasting, hearing what we did in this lesson, hearing what we did in that lesson. You, you never exhaust scripture. So this has been a great, um, great study, and I'm looking forward to finishing up here in the next few minutes. Well, what, a, what an election night last night was until it wasn't anymore. Uh, I don't remember ever election night just being turned off. Okay, well, just stop. Everybody go to bed. We'll start again later. That was a little bit uh, disconcerting at 2 o'clock in the morning. But, um, you you know, all we can do is come away with this election uh, excited like never before about the church. Um, I I told Josh a while ago, I said, here's the good thing about this, where we are right now. We as pastors won't need to pray about what to preach on for the next number of years. It's, it's pretty clear cut what the sermons are going to be. I mean, it's real clear. We got to get biblical thinking back in America. So um, there, there won't be a lot of time of just praying. And what are we going to preach on? We're going to preach on biblical thinking. And here's the way you live life, and here's the way you don't live life, and here's what God blesses, and here's what God curses, and we're going to have to get a handle on this. So um, uh, our sermons are laid out for us for the next 10 or 15 years until we turn the thinking of America back around, and we will. The church always wins, and I'm glad I read the end of the story. So I'm thrilled to be a member of the church. I'm thrilled to be a part of the church. The church wins, and I'm on the winning team. So we're looking forward to what God's going to be doing as he uses the church. And just one more thing, man, oh man, oh man, oh man, I am, I'm looking forward to the next two Wednesday nights. Uh, time goes by fast, and it's been five years, it was 2015, when we last taught on the motivational gifts out of Romans 12 and out of 1 Corinthians 12. And if you have never studied the motivational gifts in in Corinthians and Romans, it, you, you just you have to tell everybody you know. Don't miss the next two Wednesday nights. It'll change everything about the way you think. It'll change everything about the way you live. It'll change the way you respond to your mate. It'll change the way you respond to your coworkers. It'll change the way you respond to your family members. Uh, it just it changes the way you see people when you understand what we call the motivational gifts. That is the giftings that God has placed in you that motivates you to do what you do. And I, I look at my wife and go, I, I don't know why you did that. I would never do that. I would never respond like that. I, that just, why did you do that? Well, the reason you do that is because what motivates you to do that? And you got to understand the motivational giftings of God that all of us walk. Anyway, I can't preach it now. Don't miss next Wednesday night. I'm already pumped up and I'm ready to go. I'm getting into it right now. Don't miss the next two Wednesday nights. We're going to be doing a series on these. But it, it really, if, if you haven't been through this with us, it'll change the way you see everybody. It'll change the way you see everybody and you'll understand uh, why we do what we do. So I'm looking forward to the next two Wednesday nights. Let's go to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, Um, we'll get started here, I believe, I was looking, I I wrote this down somewhere and I can't 
find where I wrote it down. I guess I'll come across in a minute because I went back and looked it up. I believe we started this in June the 3rd. So, uh, well, Paul, you and Josh drug this thing out forever for crying out loud. My goodness, June 3rd, whatever that is, 21, 22 weeks we've been in this. Y'all drug this thing out. So I know we're glad to finish this in Romans chapter 16 tonight. Scan with me. We're not going to attempt to read a bunch of these names. Here's what you can know. These names aren't from Fountain Lake or Jesseville. I know how to say Billy Bob and Billy Jack and Billy Joe, but some of these names are a little over my head. But I want you to scan down through verse 1 through verse 16 just with me I commend you our sister I get welcome her and give my greetings to this one give my greetings to greet my dear friend he was the first person greet on this one on behalf tell this one hi greet this one highly respected among this greet this one greet this one greet this one greet I mean just look at all these names Greet this. Take heart of this. This one did this. This one, Look at these names in here. I want you to pay close attention. You get down to verse 16 and then skip over to verse 21. Here we go again. Verse 21 and 22, 23, 24, calling out other names, calling out other names. It's, it's interesting when you look at this to see the importance of this section of Scripture. When we read individuals' names that are not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, you don't read these names anywhere else, which would tend to lead you to think these are relatively insignificant and unimportant people. And as Josh said, chapter 16 is probably one of the most overlooked chapters in Scripture. But it's just a bunch of telling everybody hi for me. Well, hold on just a minute. We know that there's nothing in God's word that's not important in there some way. Some Okay, what is God saying to us in this? God's concerned about individual, individual people, and he calls you by name. Not anybody is too insignificant. Not anybody is too unimportant for God to know you, know your name, and call you out a genuine love for people. Give this one a hug. Give this one. See, we've got a need. Mankind has a need to be loved. In psychology in college, I majored in psychology and did, and they did a lot of just research on human behavior. And, and it was overwhelming to me the studies that were shown that that they when they would take children and raise them in um, in situations where nobody hugged them, where nobody touched them, where nobody personally connected with them, you can take a baby and put it in a crib and just stick a bottle in there and lean it over against the side of the crib. The difference it was when a mother would hold the baby and feed the baby. There, there, is a, there, is, there is something that we are all created with on the inside of us that needs to be loved. Babies didn't grow. They didn't perform. They, they physically didn't develop correctly when they weren't cared for emotionally. 
You never get to the place where you don't need, I don't need any love, I don't need anybody to think. Well, you do. You, you do. And everybody has got to be loved. You've got to feel loved. You've got to feel appreciated. And, and when you come to know the Lord, that, when you come to really know the Lord, the Lord puts a love inside you for other people that you will never get on your own in your carnal nature. I care less about you. I mean, why would I care about you? Sink or swim. It makes me no difference what happens to you. Except when the Lord comes in you, you have an unexplainable love for other people and a desire for them. You know, I watch our teachers, I watch our volunteer coaches, I, I watch our moms that help in the school. I, well, why do you care about some other kid? Why do you, see, it's a love for other people, a desire to see our young men grow and become men. And you, you want to see them develop and, and you see a young man growing up and, he, and he's losing his way. And you got a desire to mentor that young boy and to see him turn around and well, why do you want to stop what you're doing to give any of your time to somebody else? It's just a love. It's just a love that God puts in your heart. Now, Paul didn't just start with this in chapter 16. Flip back over. Let's just read a few scriptures. Chapter 12, verse 9. Chapter 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Why do we hate wrong? I talked about this several Sundays ago. I care less what you do. I mean, I don't care what you do on Friday night. Go knock yourself out, have a big time. Get drunk and wrap your car around a tree. I mean, I don't, it don't matter to me. Except for when you love somebody. And that love, that concern, then all of a sudden, I do care about what a young person does on Friday night. Why is Pastor Tim always on me? It's not because I'm on you. It's because I want what's best for you. So see, as a person who loves people, you naturally will hate what is wrong. Why do you hate what is wrong? Because it hurts people. See, doing wrong hurts people. I want to see people blessed, so therefore I hate wrong because that will hurt you. I don't want to see our young girls in this church do that. I don't want to see our young boys in this church go out and do that. Why? I know what that will cause in their life. So we have a hate for wrong. Why? Because we love people. Chapter 13, verse 10. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. See, it's called being love-led instead of law-led. And we talk about that all the time. Does that mean the law is done away with? No. No, there is still a law that I, that there is a law on the books that says I can't break into Deanne's house and steal her stuff. Now that law is still there, but that law is not keeping me from breaking into Deanne's house and stealing her stuff. What keeps me from that is the fact that I love her, I want what's best for her, and so I would never break into her house and steal her stuff. 
And we're, well, does that mean the law is just thrown out the window? No, the law's still there. It's still there. But I'm not under the law. I'm under what we call the law of love. Does that make sense to you? You know, when you start loving people, then you are love controlled. You're not law controlled. All right, let's read on. Chapter 14, verse 15. Chapter 14, verse 15. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. What's the matter with you? You don't like what I'm doing? Look, if what I do is offending you because I love you, I won't do it. Does this make sense? Well, show me in the Bible where it's wrong. Right here is where I'm showing you it's wrong. If somebody is upset by that or it bothers somebody because I love them, then I won't wear that, I won't watch that, I won't drink that, I won't go there, not because of the law, but because well, I'm 21, I am drink, I get drunk. No, wait, wait, you're missing what it says. I'm not going to do that because I don't want it to upset or cause somebody else a problem. Chapter 15, verse 30. As Christians, we live different. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to join in my struggle by praying for me. Do this because of your love for me. See, well, we do this because of our love. Throughout all of his letters, love is a theme of Paul, and it is a theme of Paul because God puts that love for other people in our heart. It's interesting here. 27 people are mentioned by name in this chapter, Paul cared about people and we're to care about people because God cares about people. You're not insignificant. You're not a nobody. God knows your name and he calls your name out. And you need to see that. You need to see how important this is. And just live with the awareness people need to be appreciated. They need to be embraced. They need to be cared for. They need to be thanked. You know, you, you bosses, you foremans, appreciate you people. Thank people. Pat them on the back. Man, I appreciate you. You're doing a good job. Those people that work for you, co-workers, appreciate. Thank you. I, I'm glad to have a co-worker like you. Thank you for what you bring to our office every morning. I appreciate you. See, there is an appreciation. There is a love and a concern for one another that we're to walk in and live in simply because of what God has done for us. Chapter 16 is a real important chapter because I believe that it, we've had a lot of theory. We've had a lot of theology in, in chapter 1 through 15 in Rome. A lot of theology. But chapter 16 really brings that theology out of theory, out of doctrine, and puts it in the lives of individual people. And that's what has to happen for us in our walk with the Lord. We don't have the Bible way off up here in a lofty position. We bring the Word of God and it puts it in the lives of people. Well, let's read verse 17. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interest by smooth talk, glowing words. They deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy, and I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. 
the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Let, Let me just say this. If you're not old, you don't know this. When you get old, you learn some things. Let me just tell you. Part of living with people is a lot of trouble. That's it. That's just it. Part of living with people. I don't care if it's your family members. I don't care if it's your neighbors. I don't care if it's your co-workers. I don't care if it's your very best friend in the whole history of the world. Living with people is a lot of trouble and a lot of work because we live with people who are not perfect. And, and they're going to upset you and they shouldn't have. But they did. They should have never said that to me. You're right. But they did. Now here's your choice. Get mad, slam the door, get in your car, spin gravel all over the house, and go find you somebody else that can hurt your feelings. Or just stay there, stay committed, stay plugged in, and stay working, and get over it. Because you can get married 97 times, but at some point, if you're going to stay married, you will have to get over it. It's just what we do. Here's where I go to church. Here's where God's placed me. Not because everybody in here is perfect. Not because everybody in here suits me. It's because where I am. And when you make me happy, I'll smile. When you make me sad, I'll frown and we'll still be here tomorrow. See, it's called living with people. It's just called living with imperfect people. Well, nobody's going to talk to me like this. Well, I'm tired. I've got to go. At some point, you stop doing all that and you just bloom where you planted. You quit chasing a new church and, and people have cycles. Some people cycle about once every two weeks. They got to find somewhere else. Some people cycle once every year. They're really committed to church for about a year, and then they're committed to somewhere else. Some are committed for two years. Some are committed to five. Some stay married five years. Some stay married ten years. Whatever it is, but we get in these cycles of I've had all I can take here, and I'm going to go somewhere else because it's perfect over here, and these people, I can tell you all of their flaws, and I'm done with that bunch. I'm gone over here. And, And you never can develop and grow and mature and produce until you just stay hooked up somewhere from now on. It's just working with people. Watch out for dissensions. Watch out for relationships with other people, expecting you're going to have them with no dissensions. It's just the way it is. Let's work through it. Let's just just work through it. I didn't do to suit you, and let me just tell you, I didn't do to suit myself. Tim, you upset me. Well, that's probably okay because I upset myself. I wish I wouldn't have. If you'll forgive me, we'll go on and I'll probably do it again. The very thing I want to do, I don't. The very thing I hate, I end up doing. The thing I wish I hadn't said is what I say. So if you stay around me very long, that's what's going to happen. But let's lock arms, love God, and mature together. Let's just lock arms, love God, here's where we are, 
You can't run me off. I can't run you off. And we're just here doing what God's called us to do. That's the way it is. Verse 18, there's always people that are not sold out to Jesus. Now, let me, let me just draw your attention back to who is he writing this letter to? Not the heathen on the street. This is the church in Rome. So in the church, there are people who are not sold out right there in the church. There are people right in the church that's after their own appetites that will lead you astray. Did you hear what pastor said? Did you hear what pastor? See, they talk about Paul and Josh all the time in this church. And it, it concerns me. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm never get talked about like that. But they talk, did you hear what he said? Did you hear the way they did? Did you hear the way? I mean, and, and oh, no, what all oh, real, well, I'll never go to church at that. See, there's people who talk all the time. Spreading gossip, spreading rumors, going to lead you astray by their smooth and their flattering speech. They'll deceive you in unsuspecting ways. Look, look what he's saying right here. This is the way life works. Don't do it. I love verse 19. The report of your obedience is just great. The report of your obedience. I'm just telling you, I brag on this church to pastors all over the country. See, right here in the middle of a pandemic, our giving's up. Right here in the middle of a pandemic, our church. Well, there's not, churches all over the country don't even have midweek services. They can't get enough people to come. Would you look around at the crowd in this place on a Wednesday night? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Drive up and down the road any Wednesday night of the week, and 99% of the churches are closed on Wednesday night, and the ones that are open will have three cars in the parking lot. Are you kidding me? Look at the crowd. This church, man, I'm just blessed by your obedience. I'm blessed by your obedience. But now let's be careful. Let's be wise. Let's take heed if we think we stand, lest we fall. Let's be careful. Let's be careful. Well, what a word to us. Since June 3rd, we started out January, uh, we started out in chapter 1 in June 3rd. And I, I opened this up with a black, black ground of sin. I talked about if you go to a jewelry store to look at diamonds, they will always take a piece of black cloth and lay it down and set the diamond on a black cloth. They'll always do that. They don't just hold it up here in the air. They set it on a black cloth. Why? Because the black background shows how beautiful the diamond is. So Paul does that very same thing in chapter 1, talking about the black background of sin and the wrath of God, loosed on unrighteousness. Chapter 2, he says, man is without excuse. You are a dirty, low-down, rotten sinner to the core. I love chapter 3. We sinned. Our sin has separated us from a holy God, but he's rescued us. See, he's re- you can't know how good Jesus is until you know how bad you were. When you walk around here thinking that you're okay, you're in trouble because you don't know you need Jesus. Some of us came to understand, whew, I need the Lord. <laughs> I need his forgiveness. I need his mercy. I need, and I'm grateful for him every single day. Why do I love the Lord? Because I know what I was without him. I know where my life was without him. Chapter four, faith, 
the example of Abraham, chapter 5, we have peace with God. See, there is no peace with God because of sin. But we have peace with God through Jesus. Chapter 6, 7, and 8, great chapters really designed, written for the struggler. You, you know, yes, we've been delivered But now we've got that yo-yo effect. I can't do what I want to do. I try to do good and I end up doing bad. Oh, this wretched man that I am, who's going to free me from this mess that I'm in? Chapter 8, the Holy Spirit comes to set us free. No condemnation for us. Chapter 9, 10, and 11, the tying in of the Jews and Gentiles' acceptance of the Lord and the Lord's acceptance of the Gentile. Now, those chapters go over a lot of our heads because we are removed by 2,000 years from the Old Covenant. But the Old Covenant centered around God's kids. And boy, Ezra, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, the prophets, you separate yourself from those unholy people. You separate yourself from those unholy people. See, God is only for the Jew. What he was showing was how exclusive God wants you and his relationship to be. Well, after he established that in life, then comes in the new covenant and God wants that same thing, but he wants it from all mankind. See, God, separate yourself from sin. Separate yourself from wickedness. Separate yourself. It's not skin color. It's not nationality. But we got the understanding of that through the old covenant of a holy, separate lifestyle that we are to live that's in this world but not of this world. And so the transformation from the new, from the old covenant into the new covenant was a difficult step to take in chapter 9, 10, and 11, really explain that. Chapter 12 through chapter 16 is really food for the Christian. The transformation of the mind, the, the exercising of the spiritual gifts that God has given us, the obedience that we're to live into authority, the letting our love be manifest toward one another. Chapter 12 through 16 is a really practical section of how to live the saved life that we learned about in chapter 1 through chapter 11. Now back to chapter 16, verse 25. Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time, but now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all the Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Here, God really steps out and introduces himself the giver of strength. He makes you strong. You know, and as we look at chapter 1, verse 11, and chapter 16, verse 25, it's, it's almost like Paul learned something in between chapter 1 and chapter 16. Because in chapter 1, verse 11, Paul wrote, I desire to visit you so that I can teach you 
some things so that I can strengthen you in your faith. Then it's interesting in chapter 16, he realizes strengthening people is God's job. He says, to God who is able to strengthen you. See, Paul started out, he's gonna strengthen them. Then he ends up saying, look, God's the one. God's the one that's able to strengthen you. And you know, we always, it's just human nature, but we, we always tend to look to people to strengthen us. We, we look to people to do what only God can do in our lives. Now, God uses people, but it's God that does that. When, when you put too much emphasis on a pastor, you get in trouble. You get in trouble. Um, I don't know, and, and I've, I've dealt with this for 40 years. Um, a number of people in the ministry have problems with the fact that I don't require people to call me pastor or reverend or the way I sign my letters. Um, and I'm just Tim. That's, that's who I always have been. And, you know, I, I, I'm gifted to preach. You're gifted to mechanic or weld. And, but we all trying to work our salvation out together. I, I just, I never see myself. Yes, there's a different call on my life, but there's a different call on your life. We all have a different call on our life to serve one another, but I don't ever see my call somewhere else. That's just, that's not the way, that's just not the way I, I see this. And, and I don't know, I, I, I understand the point of these discussions. We need to hold that office in reverence. And, and you need to hold my office in reverence. But I need to hold your office in reverence. If you're a plumber and I got a leaky toilet. But you know, I don't see my position being any more revered than anybody else's position. It's a position to meet the need of the people at that time. And so I, I, I just have a problem when there's too much emphasis on a preacher because you look to God, he's just an agent to help get you there. You don't look to a youth pastor he'll disappoint you. You don't look to a teacher at school, she'll disappoint you. Let me just tell you, you can't look to get married to make you happy. You can't put that kind of pressure on a wife because she can never make you happy. Only God in a relationship with him can bring happiness in your heart and and you'll keep on being frustrated with your husband because you're, you're wanting him to do something for you that only God can. And so Paul says, here, and now to your husband who is able to, now all glory to your wife who is able to. No, it's all glory to God. He is able to. He is able to. Now, this is a very interesting word here that I don't want to pass by too quickly. Look what it says. God is able. What's that mean? It's not automatic. It's not automatic. Well, I've been to church for a year. I ain't got nothing out of it. Well, God is able to, but there's a lot required on your part for that to happen. See, when we get mad at God because he didn't do, no, no, no. God didn't do this. God is able to do this. 
Now, you want to drive down here, you want to drive here every Sunday, every Wednesday night, you want to get up 30 minutes early and get your coffee and read a little bit of scripture before you go out on your way to work, you want to play some praise music. See, during your day, you want to fill yourself with the right thinking, God is able to use that to really strengthen you. But you don't expect to become a fish just by swimming in the aquarium. And you can't expect to become a strong Christian by coming and sitting in a church. God's able, but this is going to be up to you. Verse 25, it's a great mystery. It is a mystery. Have you ever tried to talk to an unspiritual person about spiritual things? They can't get it. They can't get it. Why? Because it's a mystery that is revealed by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals the word to you. Verse 26, to all nations, to Gentiles everywhere, you are a part of his inclusion. And and I pray that this study, the Holy Spirit has used this as a revealer of God's plan in your life so that you are able in your life to walk stronger, to walk stronger in your relationship with him as you have been revealed the mystery of the secrets of his will. God's hand to accomplish revelation knowledge, God's hand to establish you firmly in life, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Do not miss the next two weeks. We're going to learn why people act like they do. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to laugh a whole lot next Wednesday. You're going to have a ball doing this. Post to all your friends. Don't miss the motivational gifts next Wednesday. Make sure you post that. We're going to have a good time in here next Wednesday. Y'all stand. Romans chapter 16. Lord, we're just grateful that you didn't create us. Sling us out here on this earth. Kick it into motion and say, fend for yourself. That you have left us your word to direct us, to guide our thinking, to guide us as we live our life so that the decisions that we make and the actions that we do result in peace and joy in our heart. We honor you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.